Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Hebrews chapter 3, 13, verses 1 through 3, and I'll be reading from the Pew Bible. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are ill-treated since you are also in the body. Thank you, Bob. This morning we begin a five-week series on the five practices of fruitful congregations. It's based on a book by a United Methodist bishop, uh, Robert Snazy. Any of the teachers have, have the book? You can hold it up for me, anyone? Anne's got it. Look at that. There you go. Uh, I would encourage you to read it if you'd like. Uh, and uh, I looked on Amazon the, uh, the other day, and I think they're around $12 if you want to do that. Uh, but it's an interesting book that talks about these five practices of, of a congregation. And I want to I tell you one thing right now. This is not a new program, and it's not a church growth strategy or anything like that. These are basic practices that make a Christian community a Christian community. Amen? And today we're going to begin by talking about radical hospitality. Uh, this was our, and we had a great little session downstairs this morning where we talked about how we do this as a church. I'm sorry, upstairs. We're <laughs> Uh, where we do these, uh, where we had these conversations about what do we do as a church now that represents radical hospitality and how can we do better. And I'm going to encourage you, you see a pineapple? Uh, you should have got a pineapple when you came in this morning on a piece of paper that says radical hospitality on it. Uh, I want to encourage you throughout the sermon, uh, as you come up with ideas about what radical hospitality would look like here at the church, I want you to write those things down, and uh, we're going to get a basket and collect them out here on your way out. So please do that. I, I, I came up with this idea this, this morning, actually. So, <laughs> so uh, write that stuff down and uh, turn it into us as, as we leave this morning. But, you know, you might wonder, well, you know, hospitality seems like a no-brainer. It's something... We just kind of do naturally. And probably if you think back on your church experience growing up, we didn't really talk about hospitality very much because it just seemed to be a natural thing we do. And I guess I want to talk about uh, what I want to observe is that, you know, we don't, we don't live in the same world we used to. You know, in the 60s and 70s, our neighborhoods were indeed neighborhoods and we we got together with neighbors and we, we uh, had these places like church where you came and you gathered with people uh, and you would do other things outside of church. And there was just this natural camaraderie that occurred, uh, kind of a, you know, you know, like we all lived in these little villages uh, around the United States. And those, those experiences are gone, really. I blame the garage door opener, the automatic garage door opener, because with the invention of the automatic garage door opener, you don't even have to get out of your car uh, to get in the house. Uh, you're already, you drive right in there. You don't have to get out and wave to your neighbor. Hey, Bob. Hey, Chuck. How you doing? <laughs> so you don't really have to be connected to your neighbor at all. And I bet there's a good number of us that don't really know our neighbors very well, even in the place we live in. 
It's very different than in the 50s and 60s. We live in a, we live in a culture, uh, in a world now, that makes everyone kind of perpetual strangers and wanderers. People are far more transient. We move around a lot more than we used to. It used to be that people put down roots and we stayed with a career for a lifelong time and we stayed in a home. The house I grew up in, my parents were in for 40 years. And uh, it's not like that so much anymore. My, my wife and I have moved, what, 15 times in the 20 years we've been married. And every three years, it seems like, we have moved. We're not doing that anymore, by the way. This is it. <laughs> this is it. So I'll get a job as a greeter at Walmart before I move again. But, you know, people are isolated from one another. People, people tend to group up differently than they used to. And the other, the other reality we live in is that people are skeptical and reluctant these days. Everyone's a little more cautious. Everyone's like my mother. Who, uh, who is, you know, whatever the worst case scenario is, she's going to come up with that in her mind about whatever you're engaging in and, and warn you of the dangers. <laughs> of all. She would be the one to stand up and tell Evan, no, wait a minute, ignore, you know, stranger danger. You know, stay away from that. They'll, they'll you know, there's a caution there. And, and people, are, people are like that. We kind of hold each other at arm's length. Out of, uh, out of fear of being hurt, out of concern about, or maybe out of bad experiences that have affected the way we are. And the effects of this is that we all become kind of wanderers. Uh, and for churches today, ancient language of pilgrim and wayfarer have found new relevance for us. As I said, we no longer live in villages. And even if we live in the same place for decades, the American culture today has made us all kind of cultural nomads, relational mo nomads. We are what the Catholic, great Catholic writer Henry or Henri Nouwen uh, called a world of strangers estranged from their own past culture and country, from their neighbors, friends, and family, from their deepest selves and from their God. In such a world of strangers where fear, anger, and hostility build walls between people and chip away at the communal soulfulness, it's not surprising that we need to talk about hospitality again and no one proposes that if there is any concept worth restoring to its original depth and evocative potential it is the concept of hospitality it is hospitality that breaks through these walls that keep person from person and community from community robin uh, my wife was talking with someone about this series somewhere along the way and they said well isn't hospitality a buddhist thing and, uh, you know, that may very well be, yes, <laughs> it is a Buddhist thing, but it is at the very core of what it means to be a Christian as well. It is a foundational concept for the Christian community. And, of course, its roots are found, uh, the roots of Christian hospitality are found in the customs of Judaism and the Hebrew Bible. I cannot stress enough the importance hospitality plays in the Old Testament. It can't be understated. 
overstated. To not show hospitality was to bring shame on the entire family for generations. Particularly to strangers and aliens. In the, in the Old Testament, in the, in the early times, there were two kinds of aliens in ancient Israel. The stranger and the foreigner who lived among the Hebrew people. Uh, dare I say, you know, an immigrant <laughs> uh, who comes into their presence. In speaking about these strangers and these immigrants, Deuteronomy 10.19 says, You shall also love the stranger, for you were strangers yourselves in Egypt. In recognition of the fact that, in e that, that the Hebrew people lived as strangers themselves and counted on the hospitality of others, they are called to a life of hospitality as well. The, in regards to the resident aliens in their midst, Leviticus 19 states, When an alien resides with you in your land, you shall not oppress the alien. The alien who resides with you shall be to you as a citizen among you. You shall love the alien as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Well, we don't hear that one read very much in all the... I don't mean to get political, but we don't hear about this part of uh, our call to caring for one another very often. But I have to also point out that, in fact, it's in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, it's as much about the issue of hospitality as it was about the depravity in the township that Lot lived in. It displays the length to which Lot would go to in order to ensure the safety of two strangers, even to the extent of offering his daughter to the mob in order to protect them. This story, I've got to point out, it, would, it was just as shocking to the first original readers and hearers of it as it is to us. But what it is, is it hold, they, they would look, hear this story and hold up Lot and say, Lot knew what it meant to show hospitality to the strangers. And it, it, it is an exaggerated example of what it me, how important hospitality really is. The New Testament also lives up, lifts up hospitality as an important practice. Romans 15.7 says, Welcome one another, therefore, as Christ welcomed you to the glory of God. And the scripture we just read says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so some have entertained angels unaware. And the furthermore, it says, if, you know, To those who are in prison, treat them as if you were the one in prison yourself. It really is describing how, you know, the, the, the charge to be empathetic toward one another, to really put oneself in another person's shoes and try, try to imagine what life and, and everything is like for that person. That speaks to what it means to show hospitality to really try and get in the skin of someone else and understand where they're coming from. Jesus himself was a victim of inhospitable Pharisees. In Luke 7, it says, the Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. 
You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love, but the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. In this sense, it was her hospitality toward Christ was, was salvific. It brought about the forgiveness of her sins and the pointing out of the Pharisees' lack of hospitality, emphasizing their sins. Jesus often co commended to us that the ability to welcome was part and parcel with what it means to be faithful to God. In regards to children, Jesus said, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. We need to welcome children, right? In the parable of the banquet, after in the invited guests were too busy to show up for the celebration Jesus had, Jesus said, Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding feast. Hey, if the folks who were invited don't show up, go and invite others. And extend the welcome. And in speaking about the last judgment, Jesus commends the faithful saying, For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. It was hospitality, uh, hospitality not hostility. It was hospitality that made all the difference in that saying. Within the context of the Old Testament and the early church, Hospitality was vital, not only, not only to living out what it meant to be right with God, but also it was a, a safety issue for traveling. I mean, the Good Samaritan story is one about hospitality, isn't it? And how important that hospitality becomes to the safety and well-being of the stranger. It was uh, important that people open their home to travelers, otherwise they would be facing a lot of danger. And it was this reality that compelled the early monastics to adopt hospitality as a key tenant. And often those you know, monks and nuns continue that tradition of, of radical hospitality inspired by God's Holy Spirit and the reality that hospitality must be extended to strangers for the survival. It seems as though hospitality is at the center of what it means to be a Christian. So I'm, as we go into this series and as we look at this topic, I'm compelled to wonder what does hospitality, more importantly, what does radical hospitality look like in this day and age and in our setting here in Salt Lake City? The book by Snazy describes radical hospitality as the active desire to invite, welcome, receive and care for those who are strangers so that they find a spiritual home and discover for themselves the unending richness of life in Christ. In truth, i got to say, hospitality is perhaps one of the things we do best, particularly in the inviting and welcoming part. I, I also wonder... I wonder if we could do better in the receiving and caring section of hospitality, but, you know, inviting and welcoming, this is a welcoming group, very good at welcoming people. 
people at First Baptist are eager to serve others and to go out of their way to be friendly and welcoming and are genuinely appreciative of people who choose to be here. Amen? We're really good at that. And yet i got to wonder if radical hospitality is something more than just being open to visitors and friendly. I think every church strives to be friendly, although some of them fail at that. But uh, they all strive to be, to be friendly. And I, but I think there are some, some more aspects of radical hospitality that we're missing. There are some radical things we do. You know, I, 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 as I was preparing for this series, I thought back in September, we had a new music group join us on Tuesday nights. Was it Tuesday nights? Tuesday nights, there's a, there was a new music group just starting to, and they were renting space from the church. And the first night they came, we had a little welcoming committee that, that brought them, uh, uh, you know, baked goods and extended a welcome. I think we even made a sign that said welcome and showed them around. That's radical hospitality. This is a rental group that pays us to use the space. And we said, no, no, no. We want you to feel like this is your home. And we want you to know you are welcome here. And we're glad you're here. And we appreciate the things you're doing. That's radical hospitality. The work we do at Ronald McDonald House. Going and saying, you know, not only do we want to feed you, but we want, to, we want you to experience uh, a nice meal that feels like it's home cooked by people who love and care for you. That's a wonderful ministry that goes on today at four o'clock at Ronald McDonald House, by the way. And I'm sure if I were to open it up, you guys could come up with more uh, radical things we do to extend hospitality to the people in our midst and even outside of our setting. Radical hospitality goes beyond the norm. And it stretches us. In, in her book, uh, Christianity for the Rest of Us, another good book that is relevant to who we are here, Diane Butler Bass describes one community that serves breakfast to the homeless on Sunday morning. Now that in itself is pretty impressive. But, uh, and then they experience worship with them. But what is radical about this is that they, rather than just serving them, they set up the the chow hall, uh, the fellowship hall, with linens and china, and they they seat their guests and they treat them as guests. They have waiters. The people in the church serve them as waiters and pour the coffee and bring them food. And when they leave, uh, they are told, "Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here." And what an incredible gesture of hospitality to to go beyond just feeding and providing for that need, but bringing along with it dignity and appreciation and pride of self. You deserve to be served, right? What a great thing to say to someone who spends their nights on the street. For this book, Dr. Butler Bass looked at several mainline churches that were doing well and examined what were the things they were doing right. And i got to tell you, hospitality was right up there at the top. Over and over, people described the attitude of hospitality that made people feel as though they belonged, that made people feel like they were welcome to be a part of this family, that made people never once feel like outsiders. 
Because I got to tell you, you know, walking into a church has got to be one of the most intimidating things in the entire world. I know it's for a lot of us, it's been a long time since we've had to walk into a strange church, but it is a very scary thing. Over and but again, these these communities that Diane Butler Bass talks about, uh, people were not judged. They were free to explore and question and grapple with their faith and wrestle with God at their own pace in a safe and supportive atmosphere. One said this about a a place called Cornerstone in Florida. We don't care who you are, where you came from, what color you are, what your background is, or with whom you choose to share your life. You are here now And you are a brother or sister in Christ. This attitude extended to strangers, no matter who they were, no matter what kind of life they were leading, says, we want you to be here and we want you to experience Christ's redemptive love. I know we often say this kind of thing. We, the Christian church, but sometimes I wonder if we really mean it. Radical hospitality really means it. Radical hospitality looks for ways to make the stranger feel at home. Uh, As I said before, stepping into a church is one of the most intimidating experiences in the world. And I know, you know, we have some obstacles to overcome uh, to negate that. One is trying to find your way in, which is uh, a challenge. And the other one is just trying to navigate a worship service you're not familiar with, finding your way around. Um, you know, what I need, what radical hospitality emphasizes is that we all, we who call this church home, we are hosts to all the guests that come here. Each one of us, not just me and not just the folks who are assigned to take care of visitors, not just the greeters, but all of us have this calling, this duty to host the guests within our midst. And that will make this church feel like home to even the the most timid of visitors. Um. Radical hospitality isn't just about what we do here sitting in the pews, but it's about what we do outside of the church as well. Radical hospitality goes out and invites. What are the ways in which we are inviting the community to be with us on this faith journey? You know, sure, we have signs out that say you're welcome, but what do we do that is radical? I'm not, I I don't know. I guess some of the mission things we do that go out and just make the world a better place says we're here to extend hospitality even beyond ourselves. Those are good things. Here's an idea I had uh, reading this book. What if we bake cookies? I know we have a cookie brigade, right? What if we bake cookies for the service people in the neighborhood and brought it to them, like the police department or the fire department or the trash collectors or the mail carriers? What if we brought them some goodies and we said, thank you from First Baptist Church. Thank you for all the things you do and all the ways you help out and you make this world a better place. That's radical hospitality. Or, you know, we have these groups. I I love that thing we did in September. We have all these groups that come and, and meet here. 
um, that, that come together. Uh, uh, we have the, the several music groups in the building, and we have the Children's Center. How are we extending radical hospitality to the children in our midst and the parents who uh, bring them in here? How are we extending radical hospitality to the choirs and to the music groups? Do they know what we're, that they're welcome here? Do they know who we are and what we're about? Do they know that we appreciate who they are and that, we, that God loves them and by extension we love them too? One last note I have to say about hospitality and I, I guess I'm really leaving you with stuff to think about and to, to think through. I want to say there's a lot of programs out there that focus on hospitality as a growth strategy. And many churches have hospitality teams and welcoming committee and there's nothing wrong with that. But my experience has been that these programs are more about getting people to become pledging members than it is to, than it is in extending radical Christian hospitality. Radical hospitality is not a recruitment strategy designed to manipulate strangers into becoming members. Rather, it is a central tenet of the Christian faith something Christians are called to do for the sake of that thing itself, at the very core of who we are as endowed by the Holy Spirit. We are people of hospitality. We are the family of God. The earliest worship services were called love feasts, and they were meals shared with strangers where people went out of their way to extend love and care to those. And you know what? Christianity started among the neediest people in the world first. I got to tell you, the other, the, one of the difficulties of radical hospitality is that it's, it's dangerous. You know, we can get hurt sometimes. We can learn hard lessons extending radical hospitality. And yet we are called to it. We are called to extend ourselves and to take the risk of being hospitable to all that God brings to us and figuring out ways to make all among us feel a part and feel like they belong. I meant to bring this up earlier in the sermon, but one of the, one, I got to tell you, one of, the, one of the places that is most difficult for new people is during the coffee hour. And, you know, it, it is one of the most intimidating spaces in our whole life as a church. And it's because, I, you know, it's not, I don't think anyone's doing this on purpose, but, you know, what we tend to do is, first of all, we do a lot of business, <laughs> you know, with one another, because we don't always see each other during the week. Hey, we got to do this. Hey, we got to do that. Hey, we got to do that. Let's call a meeting. Let's do that. But the other thing is, you know, we, we get together with people we know and we like, because, again, we don't always see each other. But one of the most important things we need to do is keep our eye out for those who are being left out, those who are, not, who are new to the community, who are new to church. And you know, all of our groups, all of our cliques, all of our, all of our little family gathering groups need to have an open part of the circle to help draw people in and make them feel welcome. Oh, I, I encourage you to think through some of the other ways we as a church 
really can get better at extending hospitality to those God brings into our midst. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we, we have received so much from the community of faith. We have received much hospitality by caring and loving people around us in this church and in other churches. Help us, God, to extend that hospitality that we have received to others. Teach us how to do better. Inspire us and point us in the right direction that we might become the church you call us to be. We thank you for the opportunities we've had to respond to radical hospitality and the lessons we've learned from it. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.